Al-Bayan Radio presents the following lesson from Masjid Al-Azhar, Bilmo. Presented by Farhan bin Rafi' Ahmed. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim, and alhamdulillah, nahmadu wa nasa'inu wa nasta'afiru wa na'udhu billahi min shuroori anfusina min sayyati a'malina man yahdi illa falamudillala wa man yudlil falantajida lahu waliyya murshida wa shadu an la ilaha illa Allah al-ahadu al-qahhar wa ashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh ya ayyuhal ladhina amanu attaquullah haqqa tuqatih wa la tamutunna illa wa antum muslimun Indeed, all praise and thanks belongs to Allah Taala alone. We seek His help, assistance, and guidance in all things. He whom Allah Taala guides, there is none that can misguide Him. And he whom Allah Taala leads astray, there is none that can guide Him except through the will and permission of Allah Taala alone. And I bear witness and testify that there is no deity worthy of worship except Allah, and that Muhammad ibn Abdullah ibn Abdul Muttalib al Hashimi al Qurashi was the final messenger and prophet sent to all of mankind. O you who believe, fear Allah. Fear Allah as he deserves to be feared. And do not die except in a state of Islam. Do not die except that you are Muslims. Rabbi shrahli sadri wa amri wa min lisani yafqahu qawli. Alhamdulillah, this is lesson 34 in our reading of a tafsir. Um, but today we're going to do something a bit different. What I want to do today is... Everyone's been complaining that it's been too slow. Everyone's been complaining that uh, it's too much. Too much going on, too many... Oh, don't, bro. This masjid when we first started, يعني, it was to the, to the brim. <laughs> and then slowly, slowly we weeded off. Alhamdulillah. So today we're going to do a bit, something a bit different. And we're going to read the tafsir. And what I'm going to do is I've made this incorporated tafsir of that which is available. But we're going to try to make it simple. And we're going to try to make it content. And we get the meaning of the verse itself. And we take as many as possible. So we start off, and then you tell me at the end, is this preferred or is the previous way preferred? Okay, that's, that's the in-between today. We start off with verse 22. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, الَّذِي جَعَلَ لَكُمُ الْأَرْضَ فِرَاشًا وَالسَّمَاءَ بِنَاءً وَأَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً وَأَنزَلَ مِنَ السَّمَاءِ مَاءً فَأَخْرَجَ بِهِ مِنَ الثَّمَرَاتِ رِزْقًا لَكُمْ فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا وَأَنْتُمْ تَعْلَمُونَ The one who has made the earth a resting place for you and the sky as a canopy and sent down water from the sky and brought forthwith fruits as a provision for you. Then do not set up rivals unto Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while you know. Now this verse, it comes right after the first command of the Qur'an which we took, which was to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Then after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us to worship him, then he gives us unique qualities unto him. Unique divine actions to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, which are signs towards why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala needs to be worshipped. Right? So all of this, what comes after the previous verse from the middle of it, is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala describing the uniqueness of Allah. And it comes after the command to worship Allah, 
which means that these are signs towards why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving to be worshipped. Now, what are these unique qualities? Now, the first quality is that the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala was our creator. Now, then this verse, it gives more of that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does for us. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who made this earth firasha. He made this earth, يعني, as what this means is a place for us to rest. A place for us to rest. Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says that it is a place that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made for us, a place of residing. So, subhanallah, we find so much comfort in this dunya. Okay, I want you to think about this. We find so much comfort in this dunya only because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made this dunya habitable for us. Okay, this is something that, wallahi, we don't really ponder over very often. Yani, if we wanted to move to Mars, which is what people are trying to do currently today, right? If you follow on with the guy who runs yani, a very famous telecommunication company or whatever, social media company. Yani, his main goal is to try to get humans onto Mars. But there are so many complicated issues that need to be addressed before we're able to habit Mars, yani, to live on Mars. We have around us in the earth with that which is described as a magnetic field. A magnetic field. I had to search this up. I did not I did not know any of this before I did this, right? That which is a magnetic field, I, I got it from a .edu, so it means that it's like khalas, it's, it's, it's on point, inshallah. So that which is described as a magnetic field that blocks away the worst of the sun's radiation and solar winds which could be catastrophic upon the planet, right? So we have this field around the earth that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has placed that blocks this the harmful radiation from the sun and the solar wind that is outside of this planet, which if it didn't have this, it would be catastrophic upon this, this earth, right? And subhanAllah, Mars for instance, it doesn't have this, right? The temperatures are extremely freezing temperatures on Mars to what some have said is below minus 70, minus 70 degrees, right? So absolutely freezing condition on Mars. And even some of the geniuses of the world, yani described geniuses, they are thinking of options to ways to warm Mars up. They're thinking, yani wallahi, this is an actual thing, right? They're thinking, how can we warm up Mars so that we can live on Mars? And one of the yani, genius ideas they came with is that we need to nuke Mars. Wallahi al-Azim, this is an actual thing. To send a nuclear missile. Right? However, that the logistics of it, I don't know, right? Because I'm not the science guy. But this is an actual thing that they want to nuke Mars to make it warmer from the reaction that it would have if they did that. And subhanAllah, that would be maybe, let's just say hypothetically speaking, that would cause the warm issue, right? That it makes the temperature rise. Let's just say. But you still don't have anything to protect you from the rays, right? Of the sun. And scientists today, they're trying to, just recently, subhanAllah, they're trying to create oxygen on Mars. Even oxygen is like 0.1%. Like they don't even have proper, it's not breathable air. And all of this, no one had to think about doing for Earth. Not one person said, oh, I've got to make some oxygen today because we're running short. Right? No one's thought about creating a layer, a magnetic field around the Earth to protect us from the sun. Because we already have this. 
Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He fashioned this earth so we could habit upon it and we could find rest in it. And that is the genius, subhanAllah, when you think of it, that's what makes these verses special. When you ponder over that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has done for us, and we have the ability now through modern science, say, to have knowledge of that which perhaps they didn't know. Now, I don't think anyone knew that there was a magnetic field back in the days, right? A thousand, say 200 years ago even, that it was protecting us from the rays of the sun or solar winds. Right? I don't think, Allahu alam, right? Maybe. We'll, we'll discuss after. <laughs> now, all of this, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created. And then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says He is the one who created the sky. And this, يعني, the, the, the word that is mentioned is bina'a, right? And it is a raised ceiling. A raised ceiling. Now Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, He says, the sky to the earth is like what a ceiling is to a home. The sky to the earth is like, this guy's looking up, the sky to the earth is like what the ceiling is to a home, right? So it's that which is above you and that which provides you with shade and comfort. Now it is said in the Arabic language that anything that is raised, anything that is above raised, that provides shade is called sama'un. Anything that is raised, that is up above, that provides shelter is called sama'un. Then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us that He is the one who sends down water. And Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, He says that this is from the clouds that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sends the rains. Now then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells us that He then causes to bring forth from the effect of the rain upon the earth, thamarat. And if we look closely, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He caused for us to have different types of provisions from that which comes from the earth. That which is farmed, that which is picked, that which comes and grows from the earth, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who gives it this permission. And He is the one who created the system in this which occurs. And subhanAllah, Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, He says, rizqan, as provisions, He says, as food for you and provision for your animals. Now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has made this system perfect for us to be provided for. So all of these are unique qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and they are all connected to the previous verse, to the word Rabbukum, to your Lord. All of this is all connected to the previous verse. So we have subhanallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He is giving us all of this يعني, to appeal to our senses and minds to first, يعني, He uses this, right? And He first commands us to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then a prohibition appears in this verse. So the previous verse was a command and now we have a prohibition. Now how many unique actions of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala do we have that were mentioned? Huh? More. There's the system. Listen from the previous verse. You're right about this one, about this verse, but let's go from the previous verse. He created you, one. Created those before you, two. The one who made the earth habitable, right? He made it habitable for us. And then the one who made the, the, the sky as a ceiling for us, as a protective cover for us. And then the one who sent down the water, right? And then we have. The one who caused that which is grown to grow and come out. So we have six things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is telling us 
as يعني, why you're supposed to worship him. And so he created you, he facilitated everything for you, and he is the one who will nurture you. And subhanAllah, he commands from us two things. Two things. Worship your Lord, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is in the previous verse. And in this verse, do not make up and set rivals, anything equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala while you know. The first was to worship Allah, and then he starts listing the things that are unique to him. Six divine qualities. Six things that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does for us. And then he gives us, do not worship anything. Do not make anything as a partner to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, as a rival to Allah, as an equal to Allah. So this is what the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if we look very carefully, there is affirmation, right? And there is negation. Affirmation and negation. A, a command and a prohibition. A command and a prohibition. So this is the reality of Tawheed. Tawheed is in affirmation and Negation. Imam al-Baghawi, يعني what this means, right? Let's just take this before we take Imam al-Baghawi, rahimahullah. Let me just give you. When we say la ilaha illallah, when we say la ilaha, there is no deity worthy of worship. This is what? Negation. Illallah. Affirmation. Except Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. This is the reality of tawheed. To reject all other, other than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and to focus on Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and worship Him alone. That's the reality of tawheed. And subhanallah, then if we look closely, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he tells us in the, the end part of this verse that we're taking now, the word nid is used. فَلَا تَجْعَلُوا لِلَّهِ أَنْدَادًا And andada is the plural version of nid. So we have to look at what is the word nid. Imam al-Baghawi rahimahullah, he says, nid is anything likened to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Anything likened to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that is worshipped as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is to be worshipped. So a rival unto Allah. So anything that is put in the same maqam as Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And this is why we are so specific, right, in saying that all worship is to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. We're very, like some people say you're too pedantic about this, right? You guys go overboard in saying if, why are you guys like doing shirk, right? It's because of this, the fact that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala from the first commands of the Qur'an is to worship Allah and don't make anything equal to Allah. Anything that is worshipped only belongs to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? You only worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. All worship is for Him. So, He is the one that is deserving of all worship. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is deserving of all worship. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, if you look closely, if we look just a little bit deeper, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He describes that which his, He has done from His Lordship, from His rububiyyah. Allah, in these, in these two verses, He describes that which He has done from His Lordship. Yani his divine qualities as the one true Lord, the Creator, right? The one who created you, the one who created those who came before you. The maintainer, the one who fashioned the earth, fashioned the sky. And then the sustainer and the provider. He sends down the rain and he causes that which to grow, right? He causes that which grows to grow. So all of this is the divine qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala as what? Ar-Rabb, right? The divine Lord in truth. 
This is the divine qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then he tells you to worship him alone. In both of the verses, he tells you to worship him alone with no partner, with no rival, which is the essence of what? Someone? Tawheed what? Which type of Tawheed? Uluhiyya, right? So he gives you Rububiyya. Allah created you, fashioned you, maintained you, provided for you, which is all what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does as the Lord. And then he tells you that this is supposed to necessitate Tawheed al-Uluhiyya, that all worship is deserving to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Does that make sense? Does that make sense? You look a bit... Did you want me to... I don't want to... Did that make sense? Rabbi? You sure? Can, if I asked you to repeat it, would you be able to repeat it? Yalla, tfaddal. So, Rububiyya, what's, what comes under Rububiyya? Good. Okay. Now, people يعني, have a problem in these categories of Tawheed. Right? Tawheed, Uluhiyya, Rububiyya, Asma'u Sifat. We don't care if you say Tawheed is the three categories. We don't care. We care about you having the substance that is within it. We care that you understand the theory that is behind it. Whether you make the category or not, we don't care. This is just a means of study. Even though this has been done from a very, very long time, as mentioned in a book that has been very, it's very important called The Categories of Tawheed by Sheikh Abdul Razzaq bin Abdul Muhsin Abbad. It's, it's been translated as well. Because previously, some of the Salaf, they categorized Tawheed in two, some of them in three. So this category, is just a means. We haven't made Allah into three or anything like that. This is what they accuse us of, right? That we've made Allah into three. But no, we are saying this is just a means of study. Tawheed Rububiya, which is Allah is your Lord, which is all the divine qualities of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that He is the one who created, maintained, fashioned you, sustained you. All of these things is from His actions as the Creator. And then we say that this necessitates Tawheed al-Uluhiyya That if you have one Lord That created you, maintained you, fashioned you Did everything for you Then He is the one who is deserving of all worship And then the third part is that This divine Lord of yours He has names and He has qualities How have we made Him three? I don't understand, right? It's just a means of understanding the theory Behind Tawheed That's all it is Whether you take the categories or not Doesn't mean anything to us It means يعني, what's important to us is the actual theory that is behind it, which is that if you affirm the, the actions of the Lord, we don't care. That's good. That's, that's what we want. If you call it Rububiyya or not, we don't care. If you affirm that Allah is deserving of all worship, that no worship should go to anyone but Allah, that's all we care. If you call it Uluhiyya or not, doesn't matter. If you affirm that Allah has names and He has divine qualities that are unique to Him and there is nothing like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala but you affirm that which is in the Qur'an and the Sunnah then we have no issue whether you say you believe in Tawheed, Asma wa Sifat. Right? We care about the theory. Okay? Very important. Yes? Everyone with me? Okay. Let's continue. So we learn from this يعني, is that we are supposed to look for the evidences of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in creation. We are supposed to ponder over the creation, over that which is divine wisdom, right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created this earth in his divine wisdom. 
in that which Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala provides for us, that which we benefit from, from the creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and this is supposed to push us to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Right? So tadabbur of the khalq, right? pondering over right? that creation of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, it's supposed to be something that pushes you to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Ibn al-Qayyim rahimahullah, he explains the logical evidences that are presented by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and he says that if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who does this and he is the one who did these actions and how then would it be possible for you to create partners to him? If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is the one who did these actions of creating, maintaining, fashioning, providing, if he is the one who did these actions, how is it possible for you to create partners to him, rivals unto him, when you know that he is the one who has no partners in his actions? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala did this on his own, so then you, he is deserving of all worship. Abdullah ibn Mas'ud, uh, عن, he reported a hadith that's found in both Bukhari and Muslim, where he said the Messenger of Allah وسلم, was asked, What is the greatest sin? What is the greatest sin? And the Prophet ﷺ, he says, to set up a nid, same word that is used in the verse, وَهُوَ خَلَقَكَ And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, to, is the one who created you. So the Prophet ﷺ, he tells us in this hadith, the greatest sin is to set up a partner alongside Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, even though Allah is the one who created you. So over here, the partner is the one who you give any form of worship to. So dua is from worship. You only make dua to Allah. Period. He is the one who you call on to. He is al-mujib. The one who responds. So you call on to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala because he is deserving of this and he is the only one who can grant you your dua. No one else can. Everyone with me? You pray only to Allah. You make sujood only to Allah. All of the worship, whatever it is, is only for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. Then after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us the message of a tawheed, he goes on to mention that which is regarding prophethood in the following verse. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, <coughs> وَإِن كُنْتُمْ فِي رَيْبٍ مِّمَّا نَزَّلْنَا عَلَىٰ عَبْدِنَا فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ فَأْتُوا بِسُورَةٍ مِّن مِّثْلِهِ وَادْعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُمْ وَادْعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُمْ مِّن دُونِ اللَّهِ إِن كُنْتُمْ صَادِقِينَ Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he says, and if you are in raib, raib means shak, doubt. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he's saying, if you, and if you are in doubt, this is because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he knows that there are people that they are doubt, they are doubtful regarding what? Mimma nazzalna, right? From that which we have revealed. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is saying, if you are in doubt of that which we have revealed, which is what? The Qur'an, right? Upon ibadina, upon our slave, ala abdina, upon our slave, which is who? Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa Then he says, then go and try. Go and try. 
Try to do something that's impossible. Try to do something that's not possible in any way, shape or form to produce a chapter, a piece of the Qur'an. And what is a chapter of the Qur'an? How do we know? That you know its beginning from its end. You know when it starts and when it ends. So produce a chapter that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, something that is like it. Try to produce a chapter like it. Something that is like the Qur'an, something that resembles it. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its beauty. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its complexity. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its meaning. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its knowledge. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its reasoning. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its guidance. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its eloquence. Something that rivals the Qur'an in its linguistic techniques. Something that rivals the Qur'an even with its perfect sound. Try. Try. And subhanAllah, recently, right, these ex-Muslims, these ex-Muslims, I swear, oh, this was the funniest video I watched in a minute. Now these ex-Muslims, I think in North America, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala guide them and, or grant them what they deserve. Yani, they made a surah about COVID-19, right? I swear, it is the funniest video that I've seen in a while, right? Just the fact that you can say COVID, <laughs> you're just an idiot at this point, you know what I mean? Like, honestly. Honestly, that was a verse. COVID, <laughs> really? Are you kidding me? Now, subhanAllah, you, they even tried to recite it as Qur'an and everything. You see so many problems with it. It's hysterical. Wallahi. Yani, it takes about four to five minutes to completely debunk this entire false chapter. Four to five minutes from a jahil like me. right? Four to five minutes to completely just absolutely demolish this thing. right? And... It's like mumbo jumbo, right? They even have like a verse in there to telling us to use new soap against COVID. Like that's actually a verse to use new soap against COVID. Uh, they even tried to take portions of the Quran, right? They even took passages of the Quran. Like half of the verse is from a verse in the Quran. But it still doesn't work. It still makes absolutely no sense properly. It's just, it's laughable. It's gimmicky, right? But subhanAllah... If we look properly, there is no doubt in the world that the Arabs of the past, they had the best sense of Arabic. They were the master orators. They had the best poetry, right? Even today, we use pre-Islamic poetry in Arabic language. Pre-Islamic, yani before Islam, they were just poets, right? And we use that as evidences of how language is used. Language techniques, language يعني, being used and spoken by the Arabs. So subhanAllah, some of them tried and they failed miserably. Right? Some of the surahs that Musaylam al-Kadhab, for instance, came out about like a frog. And it's just like next level stuff, right? Like an actual frog. Next level, right? Anyways, so Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when giving this, He even opened it up. He opened up the challenge. And he says, وَدْعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُمْ وَدْعُوا شُهَدَاءَكُمْ مِن دُونِ اللَّهِ Right, call on to your deities that you call on to and worship besides Allah. Imam Mujahid, rahimahullah, he says this means those who are with you, those who are your supporters, those who support you, the people that are like you. Call on to them as well. 
Those who are your allies in this. Imam Al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, he says, this means get assistance from those who you find to be your scholars. Go to the best. We don't just want anyone. No, no, no. Go to the best of what you have and come. And subhanallah, gather them with the people so that they can witness what you produce. We need to see what type of Qur'an you produce. And subhanallah, from this we know that it is an impossibility for this to ever occur. Imp- it's impossible that this will ever occur. Not to produce the entire Qur'an. That's not the challenge. Not the entire Qur'an. Just one chapter. One chapter of the Qur'an, if they could do this, يعني, then this is something يعني, that's impossible. But we genuinely don't take pride in this. We should, this is a miracle that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is calling it from day dot, right? From the beginning of Islam, that you are not going to be able to do this. This is a miracle of Islam that till now, no one has been able to, to produce something like the Quran. Nothing can rival it in its beauty, its eloquence, in its lingu- linguistic technique, techniques. Nothing can rival it, right? But subhanAllah, this is something that's like unspoken of between the Muslims. That we don't take enough pride in our book in the fact that this is a challenge of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that has been there for over 1400 years and not one person has come close. Not one person. And subhanAllah, this is a challenge to anybody, anybody in Kuntum Sadiqeen. If you genuinely, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, anyone who's saying, anyone on the face of the planet, if you are truthful, in your assessment that Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wasallam is the one who brought the Qur'an himself. If that is your claim, if you are truthful in it, then bring something like it. If you are truthful that you're saying that it's a lie, you say the Qur'an is a lie. If you're truthful, then bring something like it. If you're truthful in saying that it's magic, then bring something like it. If you're truthful saying that it's poetry, then bring something like it. If you're truthful that it's the fables of the past, the Qur'an is just stories of the past. If you're truthful, then bring something like it. And subhanAllah, if you say that it is not from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is what the claim is, then go. Go right ahead. Bring us something like it. This is a challenge. And not one person's come close. SubhanAllah, the scholars of tafsir, they say, they were unable to do this. So they resorted to what? Waging war against Islam. Physically. They couldn't beat the Qur'an. So they started to go and persecute the Muslims and fight the believers because they, even Quraysh at that time, they couldn't do anything about it. So they, what did they يعني, resort to? Waging war against them upon the Muslims and persecuting the Muslims. Now, then, subhanAllah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says in the following verse, فَإِن لَمْ تَفْعَلُوا وَلَمْ تَفْعَلُوا فَاتَّقُوا النَّارَ الَّتِي وَقُودُهَا النَّاسُ وَالْحِجَارَةِ then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He says, And if you have not yet done this, if you haven't done it yet, and surely you will never be able to, as this is a miracle in of its own self, the Qur'an being bestowed upon Muhammad sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, then Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He tells them to fear the fire. To fear the fire. Fear Jahannam. And how can one avoid Jahannam? He's saying avoid it, fear it. And how we took taqwa. What taqwa? What does taqwa mean? You took it to put a barrier between you and the punishment of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, that which Allah dislikes. 
to put a barrier between you and that which Allah dislikes. So to protect yourself from the, from the Jahannam is to protect yourself through Iman, through having faith in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, by being a Muslim. This is how you're supposed to protect yourself from Jahannam. And then now Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is going to what? He's going to describe to us the fire and the purpose of the fire, why it was created. That is what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is now giving us. And this is subhanallah, what Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, the fire is fueled, the fire that is fueled by stones and men. The fire that is fueled, it's like, think of petrol, right? The fuel of this fire is what? Stones and men. Now subhanallah, this is a powerful description of the fire itself, that it is fueled by men and stones. This is what keeps the fire going. This is what keeps the fire going. And there's not going to be any shortage of man, because man is going to be replenished every time that he is going to be in the fire. When one side يعني, burns, he will be placed on another side, and then while his face, like think of this, right? If your face was here, Upon the fire May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Protect us from the fire But Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala He describes to us One of the punishments In the Quran Of those who are in the fire And he says The day that their faces Will be tossed and turned Right So imagine your face Is on the fire We ask Allah to protect us But then The other side of your face Is now what? Free Right It's not getting punished Because this side is on the fire Then your face will be Turned The side that wasn't being punished now is being punished. In that moment that, that now this the one that was previously burnt, that will be healed. It will be healed so that it's constant pain from pain to pain because you could get used to the punishment. And so if someone's burnt to a crisp, there's nothing else to burn, what's the harm if he keeps getting burnt? But the word and this is what's unfathomable about the Jahannam about the hellfire, is that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will cause them to become healed, so they go through the punishment as if it's the first time. Every single time. Because when we ask Allah for His forgiveness, Wallah, يعني, even when people are burnt today, there's a time where after a while your hand becomes numb. You can't feel it anymore. Right? Has anyone burnt their hand? No? Good. <laughs> May Allah protect you from it, Ya Rab. But there is a time where your hand becomes numb to the pain. But imagine... If you are feeling that constant excruciating pain, at that instant moment you are burnt constantly. That is just next level stuff. We ask Allah for His forgiveness, Ya Rabb. <sighs> Subhanallah. And something that is important here is that the fire, it's retaining its heat. That's one thing, right? By fuel and men, right? By stones and men. But also, what does fuel do to a fire? It intensifies the fire. So every time a man and stone is there, it's not just keeping the fire hot, it's making it hotter. Which means that the pain is going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. This is the beauty of when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, He just describes it as fuel. We ask Allah for His forgiveness, Ya Rabb. Now the stones of Jahannam, the stones of Jahannam, Ibn Atiyah, he mentions, Rahimahullah, that it's a type of stone that is quick to light, it's quick to ignite, disgusting in its smell, 
a stone that generates and creates a large amount of smoke. It is strong in its effect on sticking to the human being. And it is extremely hot when lit. This is the description of the stones. Some of the scholars have said that it's the idols that used to be worshipped in this dunya. There's a difference of opinion of what type of stone it is. But this is what, yani, understandably, this is what Jahannam would be like. There's no rahmah in it. The smell would be horrible. The effect of it would be horrible. And this is what's going to keep the fire going and intensify. Abu Huraira radiallahu an, he said, he said, right, very carefully to what I'm saying. Abu Huraira radiallahu an, he said, the fire was kindled for a thousand years until it reddened, it became red. Then it was kindled for one thousand years until it whitened, it became white. Then it was kindled for one thousand years until it became black. It, until, it be, until it blackened And so it is dark Pitch black That is what Jahannam is like Pitch black Dark Now this is a statement of Abu Hurairah an, And as a hadith Because this is said as This is a hadith Many of the scholars have stated Like Shaykh Albani alayhi, That it's not authentic To Prophet Muhammad wasallam. But they say That it is up until Abu Hurairah and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now as we know, the fire of Jahannam is 69 times hotter than the strongest fire that can be lit and produced on the face of the earth. Very carefully. Jahannam is 69 times hotter than the strongest fire that can be produced on the face of the earth. Now I don't know about you guys, I've mentioned this before, is in the science world, they can produce some very hot fires, right? Some very intense fires as that which needs to be produced for combustion or that which is produced through, for instance, antimatter and matter when they try to combine them. The actual heat that is produced is next level, right? So subhanAllah, when you think about this, 69 times hotter. The Prophet ﷺ, he says in the famous hadith, this fire of yours, which the son, sons of Adam kindle, is one part of 70 parts of the heat of the hellfire. And the companion said, by Allah, wouldn't, have, wouldn't it have been enough, O Messenger of Allah, if it was just the fire of the dunya? It's bad enough. If it was just the fire of the, of the dunya. And the Prophet ﷺ, he replied, it is 69 parts more. 69 parts more all of them are similar to in heat so 69 times hotter than the fire that we find in the dunya and then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he says now this fire was prepared for who the disbelievers this fire was prepared for the disbelievers now that is the purpose of the hellfire and we know over here that just because it was prepared for the, for the disbelievers, that not only the disbelievers will enter it. Very important. It was prepared for the disbelievers, but it doesn't mean that only the disbelievers will go in there. Okay? Because we know from the ahadith that are authentic, that the sinners, some of them, will be placed in the hellfire, but not for eternity. Not for eternity. 
and they will leave after they have atoned for their sins and this is from the justice of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam he says in the authentic hadith that some of the people of tawheed will be punished in the fire until they are coals they are burnt to a crisp and then the mercy of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reach them and they will be taken out tossed at the doors of paradise thrown to jannah imagine being thrown to jannah and the people of paradise themselves will pour water over them and they will sprout as the debris carried by the flood sprouts yani they'll be washed away and their skin will regenerate their flesh will regenerate they will regenerate and then they will enter the paradise in another hadith the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam he says a group from my ummah will depart from the fire through my intercession. The Prophet ﷺ will make shafa'ah for them, saying, Oh Allah, these people, and he will ask Allah to forgive them. Right? But they're in Jahannam, from his ummah. And they will be called Jahannamiyun. The people of Jannah will refer to them as Jahannamiyun, the people who went to Jahannam first. Those guys that came from Jahannam. Now, this is... Yani very important because this is a credo point that is something that is rejected by many sects that people will leave Jahannam like the Khawarij, like the Ibadiyya and others, right? That Jahannam, anyone who goes into Jahannam will stay there. They say that all of these ahadith are weak, but we say that all of these ahadith are sahih in line with the usul of hadith which is there for Ahl sunnah Now something that is important uh, that يعني, the fact that Jahannam is, is, يعني, exists today It has already been created It is there currently today Because there are some people who mention That Jahannam will be created after the Day of Judgment When there is a need for it However, these ahadith here They tell us that And the verse itself, عفوان, Tells us It's already been prepared for the disbelievers Now there is an important point That needs to be mentioned about those who leave Jahannam Shaykh al-Islam One of the accusations against him Is that he says People say That he says That Jahannam will come And cease to exist Listen to that carefully The, the, the claim is That Shaykh al-Islam rahimahullah, He says Bifana'in nar which means that Jahannam will end at one point. Now, Shaykh al-Islam's main student, Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, he mentions that this position that Shaykh al-Islam has mentioned that will come and cease to exist is the place where the believers will be because they will not be integrated with the rest of Jahannam. It will be a special place for the believers. And after they leave, then this is when it will cease to have a purpose and now there will be no more believers there in a special place because they all would have left by now and this is the position that he says will come to an, an end so there is a place that believers would have been because they were sinners and then they're going to be taken out so that special place now no one's in there so he says this place will come to an, will come to an end it will cease to exist as for Jahannam, there are many places in Majmu' al-Fatawa that you can find in many books of Shaykh al-Islam al-Taymiyyah that you can find where he says that Jahannam is eternal and this is from the positions of Ahl-Sunnah wal-Jama'ah. Very important, right? And with that, we conclude for the first time in the start of 34 lessons. 
three verses in one lesson. Barakallahu feekum wa sallallahu ala nabina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam wa jazakum allahu khaira wa salamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.